Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. Decisions, decisions, decisions. What should we talk about today? How to make them better with data. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about how to make the right decisions about how you make decisions. A white paper written by someone we know. You are listening to Linear Digressions. So who wrote that white paper, Katie? This was written by a close colleague of mine at Sos Analytics, uh, as well as there were some contributions that I made as well. Yay, go Katie! <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, truly a team effort. Yeah. But one of the things that we found ourselves and our colleagues spending a lot of time trying to figure out. So a little bit of background about Civis that'll help make this make a little more sense. Uh, so we do a lot of data science consulting for different organizations. And mm-hmm. that can mean anything from, I'm trying to solve this specific problem. Can you tell me the answer using data science? Uh, to, I need to figure out how to turn my company into a company that uses data systematically to make decisions. And sometimes it's hard to tell when you're on the phone with someone or, or talking with them where along that spectrum they are. Um, because kind of depending on where the starting line is, you might have different thoughts about uh, what you should be trying to accomplish, say, in the near term when, as, as part of this uh, consulting engagement. And, uh, you know, but it's really important to, as quickly as possible, be speaking the same language about you know, what we started to call the analytics maturity of an organization. So just where are they and where are they trying to go? And so this was a a white paper that uh, my friend and I wrote to try to get all the stuff out of our heads about what it meant to be an analytically mature organization and what were the kinds of things that we were listening for in the answers that people were giving to try to understand then how mature their organization was with respect to data and analytics and that sort of thing. That sounds cool. Yeah, this is a this is a pretty cool paper. Uh, a good amount of things come out of uh, Civis. So, yeah, oh, well, kudos. Thank you. Um, <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and so just to dive into it a little bit, as usual, link on lineardigressions.com. Uh, this one is going to take you to a thing where it's going to ask you for your email address to download the paper. Um, so just, you know, be cool. Uh, that's how, that's, that's how this stuff works, I guess. Um, but special sneak preview, I guess. Um, so we think of it in five pieces and I wouldn't say necessarily that those are, this is the only way that you can look at it, but these are the ones that we're looking for, uh, most commonly. Um, and those five pieces are, what is the data that your organization has and how is that? How is that structured, basically? Uh, What is the culture that your organization has around the expectations of using data in decision-making? Number three is who are the people and what are the processes by which that happens? So, uh, for example, do you have data scientists on staff? If so, like, that's more, uh, more data science maturity than if you don't, all other things being equal, those sorts of things. Uh, Number four What's the type of software that your organization is using and how does that have an impact on the maturity of your organization? And then fifth is uh, the science and methods that you're using. And this is something that I want to point out because I know we have a lot of data scientist listeners who 
uh, kind of think about the science and the methods first, perhaps, like what's the most sophisticated type of model I can build? Uh, you know, are you using deep neural nets? Like, if no, then you're not as cool as the other kids and whatever. But we actually put this last on purpose. And that's because in terms of the organizational impact of data science, you know, whether you have a gradient boosted decision tree ensemble, or you're using a random forest, or you're using a neural net, a lot of that is kind of window dressing, you're going to get an extra few percentage points out of your model accuracy. But if you don't have the right data in place, if you don't have the right culture in place, if you don't have the right people and processes in place, then none of that stuff matters. Um, So science Mm -hmm. and methods certainly have an impact. But I just wanted to call it out for, you know, the crowd that I think we're talking to here that that's that's kind of the piece where you get to have fun after all that other foundation is laid. Um, so we spend actually most of the, most of the time talking about other stuff besides your sick models. Yeah. Uh, I'll just second that in other industries as an engineer who's become like, as I've gone through my career, I've become more senior and I've found that most of the, most of the difference is not in the code that I write. I definitely write better code now, but I do think more about the culture of the company or of the team or uh, team health. I do think more uh, about the processes and the people and the software because without those things, like you said, you know, your really cool code doesn't really matter all that much. If your team culture is really bad and everyone keeps leaving, you know, or if your uh, culture doesn't respect, the culture of the company doesn't respect uh, the work that you do, then your work isn't going to be as useful. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really good observation. And I, I appreciate that you highlighted it there. Sure. Yeah. So just to go into a little bit more depth here, uh, there's kind of a second axis on which we cut stuff in this paper that I won't go into tons of detail, but the whole point of this paper is not just for us to be able to quickly uh, zero in on analytics maturity of an organization, but that people who are reading it can sort of do that for themselves. So we have four different levels that we described, uh, lagging, limited, functional, and mature. Um, and sort of the characteristics of each of those. So I just wanted to mention that we won't go into tons of detail about each of the different levels that we see and the characteristics of each of them. But if that's, you know, if you're interested in doing a little bit of a self-assessment, that's kind of the way that we've structured it. But to talk about the data a little bit, because that's where we started. I mean, data is kind of fun because it's a very, data is interesting because it's so fundamental. If you don't have data, you're not going to have data science. And in particular, if you have really good data, then a lot of this other stuff tends to be easy. So what do I mean by data? Well, in general, the thing that I mean by data is, is your data representing what the truth is for your organization? Um, And so that means a few things. Of course, it means, you know, is your data complete? Is your data relatively high quality? Are you doing things like monitoring it, making sure that it's in good shape. Um, But it also means is it structured in a way that helps you make decisions easily, like when you're going to be making decisions in your in your business or in your company or whatever, is your thinking about those decisions structured in the same way that your data is? If so, then the data is going to feed really nicely into that. And that's the signature of a more mature company that there's this alignment between 
the data and the way the business operates. You know, one of the things that we see fairly often is there might be a data, some kind of data lake or a data warehouse that was set up in some company 25 years ago with no particular purpose in mind or with a purpose in mind that has nothing to do with analytics. That can be really hard to work with, even though you have a lot of data and maybe it's in good shape. If it's not structured for analytics, then that can be pretty challenging to work with. Those are all pretty good points on the data bit. Um, How about the culture piece? Yeah, so culture is very much kind of like the organizational mindset. Like, how do people think about the importance of data? And this seems almost obvious, but it's really important because, you know, one of the other common ways that an analytics project can fail is that not everybody's on board with the idea that you should be using data to make decisions. Oh, you you do a bunch of analysis and then you present it and they're like, okay, cool. I'm just going to go with my hunch. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, highest paid person's opinion or decisions made on guts, gut instinct instead of instead of discipline. You know, it can mean that the data scientists, even if there are data scientists in the organization, it's not part of the culture to think of bringing them to the table. Mm. And so, uh, you know, a lot of this starts from the leadership at these organizations. If the leadership is on board, uh, then there's a much higher success rate that we see with analytics projects. Um, but if there isn't somebody in a p- position of relative power who's advocating for doing business this way, then it can be really hard. Is that a thing that, as a data scientist, you have much leverage to change? It's hard, honestly. If you're just a data scientist and you don't have a very direct line to somebody who's important in your organization and who understands why your work matters, that can be that can be pretty challenging. Now, part of why we write papers like this is to help data scientists sometimes organize their thoughts about advocating for them, themselves more effectively because, you know, we're not doing data science cuz uh, just for funsies, like I, I do data science because I think it actually helps people make decisions better and like run their organizations better. So if you're a person who's the business leader of a of a company, then I think you should want to use data and analytics to make decisions because you're just going to make better decisions. Uh, it's a it's a business case. It's not a like we're not doing data science just as a as an ends in and of itself. But sometimes as a data scientist, that can be hard to articulate. And so that's the one piece of advice that I would say to uh, to data scientists who are frustrated out there, and it's because their executives don't aren't buying in, um, you know, do try to make that investment in articulating why data science matters and what's the realm of the possible? What are the things that you could be doing or what are the decisions that you could be making better if you had the right desi- the right data in the hands of the right person at the right time? Right. Yeah. You don't want the executive to be like, okay, well, you know, you made a really cool chart. Thanks for making the pretty chart. Uh, the chart means something and communicating what the chart means is, is a part that I think, I don't know, sometimes gets lost. Like, I, I think a lot of people will put a chart into a PowerPoint, point at it, talk a little bit, but there's not uh, there's not as much of a connection to, like, this line means this in the real world. Yeah, that's right. That, that connection is really important and sometimes elusive. 
Um, but I think this is a nice segue into the third point, which is the people and processes. So people, I don't just mean having the right executives in the room or having data scientists, although those are important. Um, but it also means that as a data scientist, you're thinking of the people within your organizations as users of products that you build. And I don't mean that necessarily as literal products. Maybe it's something like PowerPoint decks that you make or answers to emails <laughs> that you send or model scores that you ship. But then uh, you should be thinking about how does that get into the hands of people throughout the organizations who then use them to make decisions better? And what are the processes that those people use to make decisions? So it's, you know, getting them the information that they need in the format that they need it at the right time. For example, simple example is if there's an important decision that's always made at a particular meeting, then have the data in hand when you walk into that meeting. It seems kind of obvious, but understanding the processes and sort of how these things happen allows you to be much more effective as a data scientist, because then you can be kind of surgically uh, inserting your work into into the places where it really matters. So I guess I'm, I'm curious, when you are learning data science, is there any place where you learn things like that? Like, are those just soft skills that you kind of learn on the job? Or is there is there some sort of a like I, I don't know does that make sense oh about like the people and the process the processes yeah, and stuff yeah. oh yeah i mean i think i've been thinking a lot recently about how much data scientists have to learn from ux designers i've been huh. a little bit pretending to be a ux designer sometimes in the work that i'm doing right now cuz i'm playing kind of a product heavy role that um i haven't as much in the past so i'm just learning a lot so that's that's kind of my thinking as of when we're recording this right now is there's other fields that are, uh, you know, specialists in trying to understand how organizations work and how processes happen. So that's a simple example. If you're in a product organization or a software organization, you might have some UX designers who think about, you know, how people use things and how to get uh, results into, into their hands in a way that they can use. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But also, you know, business people think about stuff like this. So that's, you know, lots of different, there might be a lot of different good answers to that question. So number four, you said was software. Yeah, this one is important. uh, But number four, it's not number one. You know, the software stack that you use matters. It's not the be all end all. I think one of the places where we see data science software go awry sometimes in in less mature organizations is is sometimes the team starts building or using software kind of without the right results in mind. So I'm a big advocate of thinking about what's going to make my data science the most effective. And that's a different question than how can I build the most accurate model or what's the coolest new thing. That stuff might be related, but at the end of the day, choosing a software stack that allows you to collaborate quickly and easily with your colleagues, that allows you to build iteratively so that you can reuse components uh, from project to project, so that you are speeding up as a team, not burying yourself under progressively more technical debt. These are things that are much more important than any particular detail of whether you use Theano or TensorFlow. 
And then the last you were saying is science and methods. And so this is, is this the, um, ooh, shiny new thing I can experiment with kind of stuff? Yeah, I guess a little tiny, a, a little <laughs> tiny bit, you know. The like, choices that you make it's in that not, role. Yeah, it's not a data science white favor if we don't say neural nets in there somewhere. Um, and, <laughs> of and course. It, you know, it is true that there's more and less sophisticated, uh, you know, science and methods that you should be using. Again, it should be in service of solving a question, not just right. for the sake of it. So if all you need is very simple but accurate cross tabs, then that's what you need and you shouldn't kill yourself trying to build out some kind of super fancy, you know, neural network model or something like that. But that having been said, there are certain problems for which there are scientific and methodological best practices. And of course, a, a team that's already got all the other stuff nailed. Um, you know, this is, this is a really fun place to just run wild as a data scientist. And of course, uh, you always want to be building the best model that you can, all other things being equal. Cool. That all makes sense. So data, culture, people and processes, software, science and methods. Uh, I, I like the way those are kind of prioritized. Well, we had a lot of discussions about that, but um, yeah, so I'm, gl- I'm glad you approve. Yeah, I, yes, I approve. I'm not a data scientist, and I approve. Um, but I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I really like the, I like how it highlights that it's not just about the actual work that you're doing, the technical work that you're doing. There are all of these other dimensions that go into it that um, to some extent are prerequisites to have success. And this white paper is a pretty good read um, if you want more than this episode has already given uh, given you. Uh, yeah, so um, thanks a lot for listening. I know that went by really fast, so... It kind of uh, did. It blew by. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot in there, so again, um, if this is if this is up your alley, then for the low, low price of your email address, uh, you can have a 28-page paper with yours yours truly as one of the authors. So yeah, hopefully that's that's helpful. And um, at least for us, part of the th- one of the things that's cool about uh, writing one of these things is it really helps you organize your thoughts. Um, and so this has really, at least for me, helped me think through in any given situation how to decompose it into all of those parts. So hopefully that's uh, useful to some of you as well. Awesome. Linear Digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.